1 John chapter 5, beginning in 14. And this morning, I'm just going to go through 15. I'm going to do 14 and 15, because I think these are some of the most overlooked verses, maybe in the Scriptures, because of the following verses after them. Um, And I am one who spends a lot of time looking at detail on things. I see everything. Everything. I hear everything. It, I mean, it just, that's how my brain works, is I'm very detail-oriented, so much so I get bogged down on something. And then I jump very quickly to something else and get bogged down on it. But the two verses that we're going to be looking at, 14 and 15, are verses that get overlooked because of 16 and 17. And let me read to you verses 16 and 17. This is what everybody goes to first when they read this last section of 1 John chapter 5. Listen to what 16 and 17 says. It's the most confusing thing if you read it out of context. And it it doesn't make hardly any sense. Listen to what it says. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. That's verses 16 and 17. So you got sin that leads to death and sins that do not lead to death. And everybody wants to know if they've committed the one that leads to death. This is the spiritual death we're talking about. And so the reason why I say these things is because it is... 16 and 17 is very important. However, you cannot understand 16 and 17 unless you look at the entire text that's before it and after it. And there's a really, really good example of this right here in our text today. Uh, 14 and 15 are absolutely critical to understanding 16 and 17. And before we get started, let me say with much humility, this passage has, has, uh, has took a lot of brain power, the little that I have. It's taken a lot of that. It's taken a lot of time. It's a tough passage of Scripture. Uh, David and I were talking this morning, and he said, geez, I was wondering where you were going to go with that. <laughs> he was like, you know, I knew that was coming up, and I was just really curious where you were going to go. But I've prayed about it. I've studied it. I've asked for... Uh, the influence and the, and the illumination of the Holy Spirit to, to lead me in this. And so um, the research I've done, uh, the study and the wordings, all the words that I've looked at, you know, it is, this is a hard text. But I think that if we keep it in context, I think we can get through it. And it is true, the first thing people go to is 16 and 17, and they, and they really go over the reason for 16. They go over the reason for 16 and 17. In doing so, they do themselves a grave injustice. A grave injustice. I believe when presented with this text that's before us, or when presenting this text, either I'm doing it or you're hearing it, We have to look at what comes before and what comes after. You say, well, I just want to know if I've committed that sin that leads to death. That's all I want to know, Pastor. 
Well, you can't understand the passage unless you understand 14 and 15. So I pray that you pay attention. If we go straight to the sin that does not lead to death and to the sin that does lead to death, then we miss out on what God has in store for us before we get there. That's like passing, um, help me out here, that's like going, um, that's like going from, from when you're hungry, no, I'll just get it at the next town. You ever done that when you're traveling? I'll just get it at the next town. I'll just get it at the next town. You've already passed a bunch of them up. You've already could have been fed, already could have been comforted by that food, but yet you just want to keep going without stopping. There's food here to pick up. There's food here to eat. And we don't have to go to 16 and 17 to do that. We can stop and camp on 14 and 15 and get some lunch here. And so I want you to, I want you to, to key in with me as we unlock... As we unlock 16 and 17, the key to that, those two passages, I firmly believe, are in 14, 15, and 18. And we're going to look at that, but we're only going to get to 14 and 15 today. Listen to what verse 14 says. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we start off with prayer, don't we? It starts off with prayer. It doesn't start off with sin. It doesn't start off with uh, death. It doesn't start off with these things. It starts off with prayer. And I want us to take note that the scripture teaches us that if we pray according to God's will, we can have confidence that he hears us. See, we don't want to pass this up. Because you say, well, I don't want to talk about prayer. It's hard. I don't really care to do it. I may pray two minutes a day. Maybe not at all. I may pray all day long and talk to the Lord. Or maybe you've not talked to Him for weeks. You put Him on the back burner. You know you've sinned. You don't want to confront Him. And you just leave it alone. But here's the deal. The Lord hears us. If we pray according to his will, we can have confidence that he hears us. And so it begs the question, what is praying according to the will of God? Well, we know his will has been given to us in his word, right? That's, that's, that's obvious. That is, that is right out there in the open for everybody to see, praying his will, praying his word. That's obvious. That is a, that's a no-brainer. But second, also praying as the Spirit reveals to us the things that we need to pray for. There's been multiple times where I've been in prayer meetings with men and we go around the, we go around the table and we pray and one man will pray for one thing and another man will pray for something else and by the time it gets back to me, the Lord has revealed something to my spirit to pray. He has revealed that to me because he wants me to pray for that and that is his will. And so it comes from heaven to the heart and for us to then lift it back up. Adrian Rogers, one of, I just, I love Adrian Rogers. He's been dead for a while now, but bless his heart, he, he was just a minister, faithful and true to the end. He, he once said this, and I, and I loved his saying when he said, Every good prayer has its origin in heaven. First, before it comes to us to pray, then we're to lift it back up to him in prayer. 
And there's a lot of truth to that. Because the Spirit tells us what we are to pray for. Remember, if we're children of God, the Spirit dwells within us and it illuminates us and it helps us to pray for other people. And so before we can get to sin that leads to death and not to death, we've got to understand that we serve a God, the God, that has called us to pray for others according to his will. So John says when we pray according to his will, he what? He hears us. Psalms 115 and 6, one of the very first passages of Scripture I read at Grace Baptist Church when I did the great Hallel and when the church was listening to me for two or three nights, I can't remember how many it was, but it was, uh, I I preached over Psalms 115 to 118, I think, was it? I think I ended the 118. Uh, The great Hallel and... In 115, he starts there as in the Psalms of Ascent. In 115, it says uh, concerning idols. That they have ears but do not hear. Idols. They have ears but do not hear. They've been made out of hands. They've been sculpted and crafted. But they can't hear because they're dumb idols. That's what the Bible calls them. They, they're, they're, they're not alive. Our God has ears. He hears his children. And this I am very, very confident in. He hears us. This section of scripture is more about prayer than it is about anything else. Well, really prayer and restoration. Than anything else. And we're going to get into that. But unless you approach it with prayer and restoration, you'll never understand 16 and 17. It's just, it, you just can't do it. Our Lord hears the prayers of the righteous. We understand that. It says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We understand that there's power in prayer. Individuals have been changed through prayers almost instantaneously. People's lives have been changed forever because of someone praying for someone else. Can anybody testify to that? Have you ever ever just prayed for somebody and see it happen? Have Have you ever just had something happen in your life and you're just like, okay, Lord, I won't do that no more. And stop it? Maybe somebody was praying for you. Maybe somebody was lifting you up in prayer... And bringing your sin before the Lord on your behalf because they knew that you had a struggle. Yes, yes. There's power in prayer. Queen Esther, you remember the story. She fasted and she prayed, didn't she? But what did she do? She told all of the Hebrews. She said, fast and pray for three and a half days. Three and a half. And what happened? I'm sorry, for three days. The decree that was sent out to annihilate the Hebrews after Queen Esther and the children of Israel fasted and prayed for three days. What happened? That decree was overturned. And the one that put it in motion in the first place was hung, wasn't he? Elijah prayed that it would not rain for three and a half years. At a time of heightened idolatry in the land. 
at a time where it was so bad that Elijah thought he was by himself serving God. He prayed that it wouldn't rain according to God's will. And it did not rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and this was according to God's will as well, and then it rained. So prayer is the key with this passage of Scripture. Prayer and restoration that's going to unlock 16 and 17. So we know that prayer works. It's powerful. He actually hears the smallest notes of prayer that come from our heart. He hears all of those things. He knows exactly where you're at and he hears your heart. Whether you ever utter a word out of your mouth or not. And because of this, we can be confident is what the scripture says. Listen to it. Verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. To be confident in something. The word does not mean exactly what you would think it to mean. In the Greek it means to speak freely. Bluntly. To speak bluntly. All that is on one's mind. So this is completely in reference to prayer. This confidence is completely in reference to prayer. We can have confidence when we go before the throne room of grace. We understand that. We can speak freely. We can speak bluntly to the Lord. We can, we can, everything that's on our mind, we can give over to Him. And we know this because Hebrews 4, 4 through 16 tells us this. But listen to what Hebrews 4, 16 tells us. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. So we can have confidence going before the Lord and giving our petitions. Verse 15, listen to what it says. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. 15 tells us that we will have the very requests That we have asked of him. Now I want us to understand something. That is very powerful. Because what that means is is if you pray in accordance with the spirit of God. His will. If you pray. You will have that request answered to you by God. We've got to understand that there is power in prayer. People don't like to do it because it takes work. Physically, no. Sometimes it gets painful. But it takes work spiritually. It takes work to stop and to lift other people up in prayer. It does. It does. It takes work, man. And a lot of people don't want to do it. They don't, want to, they don't want to think about it. They ain't got the time to do it. Well, guess what? The last time I checked, everybody's got 24 hours in one day. Amen. Everybody. Amen. And it depends on how you use those 24 hours. Amen. So we have time to pray. Yes. It just depends on if you want to or not. Because the, the thing is that the Lord hears our prayers. And if we pray according to his will, then he answers those prayers is what John says. 
Does this mean that he is obligated to answer them when you ask them? No. Now this is why people grow weary in praying. Because we want the magic genie foot, rabbit foot, lucky, wishbone, whatever you want to call it, before the Lord. We want to walk up to him and say, Lord, I want you to do this. And walk away and never see him again. Never talk to him again. That ain't how it should be. Remember, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That means fervently going back to him, going back to him, going back to him over and over and over, continuing to lift these things up, continuing to pray. Not just once. Not just once. If we treated it like children treat their parents, we'd never leave the throne of grace. Because I know that when my children want something, they will worry me to death. Pulling at my leg, interrupting me while I'm talking, it never stops. That's called having confidence in the one that you're going to. And my children do this. Isaiah, Ruthie, Selah, and Anna, all four, they do this to me and their mother. And if they don't get it from me, they'll go to their mother, and then they'll go back from her when she says no and come back to me. Why? Because they have confidence to come bluntly. They don't learn that that gets them in trouble at times. But the point is, is that they come with their requests because they know mom or dad can fill those requests. And according to my will or not, if I'm going to, if I plan on doing that for them or not. And it's no different with the Lord. Isaiah may want a new pair of shoes, which wouldn't do him any good because he don't wear them anyways. And y'all know that. He may want a new pair of shoes that are a couple of sizes too big for him, but it's just not time for him yet. Just ain't time. And so when it comes to us offering up our prayers and petitions before the Lord, sometimes it's just not time for those to be answered. And the Lord wants us to be patient. He wants us to grow in our faith. But He wants us to continue, to continue offering up those prayers nonstop to Him. Because what's coming next in our text is monumental. And you can't understand it without prayer. You just can't. I'm going to read it to you. And I'm going to show you where we're going next time. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death... Here comes the restoration. Listen to what it says. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask. If I see Robert committing a sin, he's a believer in Jesus Christ. If I see Robert committing a sin, an an actual sin, the scripture tells me here that I can pray for him. Now, y'all pay attention. Because without understanding 14 and 15, this won't make any sense. 
Prayer is so key in the Christian's life, and not only for ours, but for others. Remember, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man overturns. It avails much. Do you believe that your prayers can help somebody else or not? The truth is, is that they can. The righteous prayers of a person can help someone else. That means if I catch him doing something wrong, I can go to my Lord in prayer if I have a righteous heart and I could commit that to the Lord. And the Lord teaches me according to the Word of God in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16 and 15, or verse 15 that he will answer that request. He might do it right then. He might do it 15 years from now. But the scripture teaches us clearly that this passage is about prayer and restoration. This is a believer, a brother, that I find at fault doing something. My job is not to browbeat him. My job is not to beat him down to where he's black-eyed and blue-eyed and all this. My job is to commit him to prayer. Because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man overturns. If we don't believe that, then why are we lifting other people up in prayer? I mean, if we don't believe that, why are we lifting people up that have problems with alcoholism? That they've been saved, but yet they still have a tendency to go back at times. And they slip and they fall. The scripture teaches us here that we're to lift those people up. It's not someone that's living a lifestyle of it. It's someone that falls into it. We're to pray for that person. And the scripture says because of our prayers are in accordance with the will of God that he will give us those requests. So before we pray for somebody else, we better make sure that our heart is clean. Amen. Amen. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, that is prayer, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, to a spiritual death, they're already saved. That is calling restoring one back. And I'm going to stop there before we get into the one that leads to death. Because there's a lot of different responses on that. There's a lot of different thoughts on it. But I think that if we keep it in its text from 14 on, or really from 13 on, we can get the the key to unlock verse 17, or 16 and 17. And so uh, the next time that we meet, we're going to do that. I'm not going to finish that today. Because when I do, I'm going to finish the rest of the book. And there's plenty there to unpack. And so if you can, please stand. I want us to know this morning that there is power in prayer. He hears us. If we ask according to his will, he hears us and he promises that he will answer us. That he will answer us. The God of heaven, King of kings, Lord of lords, he will answer. It means he will speak back to us. 
He hears our heart and speaks back. And so that is an incentive to live a righteous life. It's just, it's, it's beautiful to see that when we pray, He hears. And we have the power through prayer. The power through prayer, if we're righteous, to commit things to Him and to see those things overturned. If they're in accordance with His will. And so this morning I want to bless your hearts with that. And before we get into the rest of that text about the one that leads to death, I want you to take this home. I want you to study it yourself. The rest of the book of John, the rest of this chapter, I want you to study it yourself. Because I had to kind of split this up into two this morning and it's kind of thrown me off a little bit. But uh, next time we're going to finish this. We're going to finish the rest of the text out. And so remember, guys, prayer. Yes. He has ears and he can hear. Amen. Bug him. Go to him like Isaiah comes to me when he wants a popsicle. Yes. Like he, when, he, when he wants to go outside, like he wants to go plant something. Yes. Go to him and don't stop. Amen. Keep talking to him. And if you've not talked to him in a while, maybe you need to bend the knee right, and pray. Yes. And get your heart right. Real practical, applicable advice this morning. Pray. Now, let's go to prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and Lord, as we have looked at your word and